Chapter Ten of A Gringo in Manana Land by Harry L. Foster. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Ten: The Land of the Indian Vamps. One. The railway southward into the isthmus of Chehultepec was the worst in Mexico. It had been constructed back in the days of Diaz and apparently had not been repaired since that time a rusty engine that wheezed with asthma dragged behind it a long succession of splintered freight cars followed by an aged wooden passenger coach whose walls groaned and protested at every jolt and swayed sidewise until the roof threatened to fall from cordoba on the main line the track squirmed away with snake-like course into the tropical jungles of the coastal plain at times it passed a pineapple farm or a banana plantation usually it ran through unbroken forest the vegetation was riotous moss covered the trees plants sprouted from the moss vines crept upward among the plants and dropped their creepers from the limbs and a thousand other varieties of parasitic growths twined upward along the creepers the rampageous wilderness encroached upon the track so aggressively that a passenger could not lean from the car windows it grew up between the tracks and sprouted from holes in the rotting ties our progress was leisurely first a freight car jumped the rail we waited three hours while the engine left us and sought a wrecking crew then as soon as the wrecking crew had corrected the difficulty and departed the same car did the same thing and continued to repeat until we reached a siding where the trainman left it with all its contents presumably to rot in the jungle then there was more delay another train was expected from the opposite direction but no one seemed to know just where we might meet it so the engineer proceeded cautiously we met it head-on at a dangerous curve both engines stopping with a shriek of brakes and bumping gently the two train crews then engaged in heated argument as to which should back up ten miles to the nearest station to let the other pass there was speculation among the passengers as to whether the debate would be settled with knives or by a pushing match between the two engines the conductors finally tapped a telegraph wire and consulted headquarters and received a decision in favor of our own train thereupon the other backed very slowly as though to maintain its dignity and give us as little satisfaction as possible and ours followed a few feet behind both engineers hurling mexican curses at each other from the car windows as always the native passengers took things with fatalistic unconcern they expected to miss connections at rio blanco and be another day or two upon their journey but they merely shrugged their shoulders one must take things as they come in travel senor so far this had been an unusually good trip cars always jumped the rail on this line it was not extraordinary to be stranded eighteen hours or so in the jungle here without food and water unless one took the precaution observed by the more experienced travellers of bringing provisions they shrugged their shoulders again lighted their cigarettes and amused themselves at each delay by setting up a beer-bottle in the jungle and shooting at it with their big revolvers which seemed to be quite as essential a part of a mexican's equipment to-day as in the more turbulent times of carranza and as always in mexico everything turned out all right although we crawled into rio blanco five hours late 
it developed that the connecting train had been similarly delayed there was a hurried lunch at a railway restaurant where the waitresses had been blondes before the local supply of peroxide gave out but now wore the princeton colors then the journey proceeded upon another line which if possible was worse than the one before two in the days of diaz the mexican railways had been built by americans and were under american management they had now become a political football however operated by the government not because they were thus more profitable or efficient but because they thus offered employment to deserving voters the railway men of course knew something of railroading and the vera cruz mexico city road as well as the other more important roads was kept in repair but the Oberlan government although an improvement over its predecessors was still maintaining itself by force and after paying its generals had little money left for keeping in order such railways as those that meandered through its southern jungles president obregon's term was drawing to a close there was soon to be an election there had never been an election in mexico without a revolution in view of the forthcoming excitement work of any kind was practically at a standstill an escort of troops was still to be seen on every train better uniformed and equipped than in the days of carranza but with the same villainous faces and a garrison was lined up at the platform of each hamlet through which we passed a small garrison so that towns could be classified as one two three four or five soldier towns a mere handful of men but always present conditions had improved during my four years absence from the country but the land was by no means so pacific and prosperous as obregon's propaganda circulated widely through the united states at the moment when obregon was seeking recognition by our state department had led americans to believe mexico was still mexico three it was quiet and peaceful and sunny however as always this southern mexico was a paradise of tropic luxuriance on the infrequent banana plantations the foliage was so thick that the tunnels beneath the trees were black as night the jungle not only slapped the face of any passenger who poked his head from the window it even scratched along the sides of the car seeking an opportunity to reach inside and stick a thorn into the passenger's eye the air was hot and moist inhabitants had reduced clothing to a minimum naked children ran races with the engine the ox-drivers leading their patient yokes with a barbed pole wore only a straw hat a pair of pants and a machete a big two-bladed knife wherewith to hack their way through the undergrowth the women were garbed in what appeared to be a thin loose-flowing nightgown the houses were of cane and thatch festering usually in pools of filth swarms of pigs came out at each stopping-place to nose about in search of the melon rinds or fruit skins that passengers might contribute to their welfare the people lolling usually in hammocks of grass rope surveyed us with interest but made little effort to sell us anything here was the true languor of the tropics and the train conformed we were supposed to reach santa lucrecia the next transfer point at eight thirty in the evening but in this country a railway schedule is much like a party platform in the united states night descended 
dew saturated the jungle and the branches swishing past the windows sprinkled everyone inside the car a golden moon peeped out from a rank mass of silver clouds and flitted through the palm fronds for hour after hour there was a brief halt at another railway restaurant where a sleepy proprietor had given up all hope of the train's arrival he brought out cold rice and heated coffee milk signor ay but although there were cows the people here did not bother to milk them if one wished to buy a can of condensed milk yes but it was expensive in this country we finally crawled into santa lucrecia at two forty the next morning a boy led me upstairs to a room in the station hotel there was a canvas cot there with a sheet badly soiled but signor it had been washed only last week and its occupants since that time had all been white persons except one the boy's tone implied what more do you want so i turned in and fell promptly asleep lulled by the scratching of cockroaches upon the wall and here alone of all the station stops i found in mexico one could sleep late the next morning for the train instead of starting at sun-up did not leave for Chapultepec until noon santa lucrecia was a straggling village of tin and thatch perched upon stilts as a precaution against the floods of the rainy season its several houses connected by ramshackle board walks although in the centre of the isthmus it had an altitude of only twenty-six metres above the sea its air was dank and humid and depressing its inhabitants lived on the porch usually in hammocks which although not completely bug-proof gave the insects the trouble of scaling a wall and finding their way across a hook before they could reap their harvest all intimate daily functions were performed in public preferably on some conspicuous knoll or hilltop as though the town were eager to proclaim itself a formidable rival in filth and vileness to manzanillo but my fellow-passengers were cheerful it is a frightful place they agreed but wait senor wait to-night you shall be at tehuatepec in the land of marvellous women so big so strong so beautiful they do all the work while a man has but to lie in the shade and rest you will like to hultepec senor four the noon train carried me over a better road across a range of mountains and down the sandy slopes of the pacific coast into an oasis of waving cocoa palms and dropped me in the city of the far-famed indian vamps the entire female population was lined up at the station each with a basket of coconuts i had already heard much about their attractiveness for every travel writer makes it a point to rave about them they are described always as slow-eyed queens of the tropics with the figures of a golden bronze venus clad in oriental garments of vivid colour that do not quite meet at the waist they are said to be of passionate and jealous nature but for several years i had been hearing throughout my travels of women somewhere just ahead who were like that wherefore i was not surprised upon descending to the station platform at Tehuatepec to discover that the far-famed beauties were smoking eight-inch cigars a few of the younger ones were handsome their skin was a light brown their eyes large and dark their hair long and jet black their teeth white and regular their lips red and sensual 
they were a trifle larger than most tropical indians with magnificent sturdy figures but at least two-thirds of them were pock-marked and although they wore the costume described a little jacket of brilliant color and a short skirt also of brilliant hue most of the garments did meet at the waist and those that showed a brief strip of tijuana lady were worn by extremely aged tijuana lady and were not at all romantic for what was sturdiness in the younger maidens became monstrous bulk in their elders they were majestically fat solidly fat with a weight that must have amounted to three hundred pounds each the writers had told the truth about their figures they had all the truck horse characteristics of the venus de milo herself i looked upon them with awe i stood for a moment upon the platform reviewing the stories i had heard of their passionate nature and their aggressiveness toward the males who fell into their clutches and even as i reviewed these stories the women having seen me made a concerted rush but having surrounded me they merely removed their eight-inch cigars from their far-famed lips and chorused buy my coconut senora two coconuts for five cents five a barefoot youth came to my rescue shouldered my suitcase and led the way to Chahutepec's one hotel Tehuantepec, although the largest city in population on the isthmus is merely a big indian village its streets are sometimes rudely cobbled but usually of sand it lies in a wide fertile valley straddling a shallow river in the centre its buildings are of heavy white stucco roofed with red tile elsewhere its dwellings are of thatch and straggle up the surrounding mountain cliffs or out among the vast groves of waving cocoa palms none of the merchants have bothered to advertise on their shops the nature of their business for travellers seldom come there and the natives all know one another and one another's occupation which is usually that of selling coconuts to one another there is a plaza but it is a very inferior plaza fronted by a ramshackle church in towns where there is an element of spanish blood this would be the centre of all activity but Tehuantepec is of almost pure indian population and its interests are in the native market when cortez first came to mexico he and his followers were amazed at the size of the indian markets Today, no village is so tiny but that it has a public square devoted to bartering even though it may have nothing else usually it is a stone-paved courtyard beneath a sheet-iron roof from the rafters hang rawhide thongs lassos saddles gaudy blankets bunches of bananas and miscellaneous dry goods the entire floor is covered with great heaps of indian pottery jugs and pots and kettles of earthenware tables arranged in long rows are laden with piles of big round cakes resembling maple sugar with gravelly hills of flour salt spaghetti beans and corn with strings of red or green peppers slabs of meat bleary-eyed fish and everything else imaginable flies swarm everywhere turkeys are tied to the posts that support the roof ducks and chickens their legs hobbled or broken lurch from side to side in a futile effort to gain their feet dogs slink through the crowd buzzards hop about the floor the whole effect is of confusion and bedlam the mexican loves the noise and excitement of such a place so ingrained is his fondness for it 
that a native on his way to market will sometimes refuse to sell his goods for any price along the road in the few shops outside the square the clerks are listless in the market everyone is animated people selling the same articles group themselves together for it stimulates competition let a potential purchaser stop before one woman to glance at tortillas and a dozen other tortilla vendors hiss to attract attention here rules the great game of cheat as cheat can there is no credit there is no mutual confidence the merchant tests each coin the purchaser tests each purchase women buying hens ruffle up the feathers and examine the bird carefully everyone watches the scales and everyone enjoys it hugely but nowhere in mexico is there a market more animated than that of Chehuatepec. it is essentially a feminine market years ago the men of the isthmus were practically annihilated in local warfare for a long time the women outnumbered them by a ratio of five to one they learned to do their own work men became to them a luxury rather than a necessity and today the position of the sexes most strangely in mexico has become completely reversed in most markets women predominate in tehuetepec so few males are evident that a visitor strolling among the counters feels like al Jolson surrounded by the winter garden chorus it was very clean as compared with similar bartering places elsewhere usually such places were overpowering in their odor of sweaty femininity in tehuantepec however the ladies were addicted to a daily bath the prettier and younger ones taking it after dark the elder ones in broad daylight when they were to be seen disporting their massive bulks in the river that intersected the town quite untroubled by the attention they received from the military garrison on the neighboring railway bridge despite the comparative scarcity of males the usual number of babies were in evidence each market woman had an infant slung over her shoulder in a gaily colored reboso the invaluable mexican shawl which serves as towel handkerchief wrap carry-all for bringing produce home and also as a crib while mother bargained she fed her offspring the loose best-like jacket was designed for such an operation as was the alternative garment a low-cut lace frilled chemise and she fed her offspring mechanically without once taking her attention from the business of haggling a quick jerk of one shoulder and the reboso with its infantile contents swung to the front a heated argument continued uninterruptedly with shoppers who maintained that her goods were inferior to those of the lady squatted cross-legged on her right another quick jerk and the child swung around again to her back so busy were the women that they paid no attention to the few men usually soldiers who strolled about if these were the vamps that writers have proclaimed throughout the ages one saw no evidence of the fact in the market they were the least sex-conscious women that i have seen anywhere in latin america the spanish senoritas of other parts no matter how modest their deportment were always supremely aware of the presence of a man these indian girls were intent upon their haggling in their rush to sell their goods they bumped the lounging men aside as though quite unaware of their existence once in a while when business lulled they glanced up to survey me casually since i looked out of place among gaudily dressed indians and i fancied that they discussed me in indian dialect 
but they did not appear fascinated for their flirtation was limited always to the original remark by my coconut senor six tehuantepec was hot one was always thirsty the water supply was of doubtful quality so i spent most of my time walking home from market with another armful of coconuts the saleswomen opened them with one deft chop from a huge machete cleaving off the heavy rind and leaving just a tiny round hole covered by a thin peeling of the white coca meat when one craved a drink one had only to poke a thumb through the thin white peeling i consumed coconut milk like a toper until my room in the adobe hotel was littered with the empty shells little guadalupe my fourteen-year-old servant-maid never removed them for some reason known to herself she would pile them neatly around the walls of my chamber where they looked strangely like the rows of skulls in a catacomb guadalupe was a husky little indian rather moon-faced and very solemn in the presence of guests there were two other maids of her own age who served us at table where guests dined with the spanish proprietor and his native wife a tijuana lady of masculine features and amazonian proportions the maids would enter very seriously and sedately with their trays of frijoles but once they were out of sight we could hear their bare feet scampering across the patio as they chased each other to the kitchen in a game of tag sometimes as i sat in my mud-walled room writing my notes little guadalupe would come and hover about the door watching me then the other two youngsters would sneak up behind her and push her inside shouting guadalupe likes the gringo thereupon guadalupe would exclaim indignantly i do not and seizing the first available weapon usually the heavy walking-stick that lay upon my table would chase them over the patio all three looking like tiny plump butterflies as their vividly coloured garments trailed behind them presently madame would appear from the region of the bar clad also in colours that shamed the rainbow her massive bare arms as ponderous as hams her jack jempsy jaw set in firm lines of disapproval immediately the three little maids would become as solemn as jurists seizing brooms they would sweep the patio with great vim until madame withdrew then would come the taunt guadalupe like the gringo and the chase recommenced the spanish proprietor always referred to himself as the head of the household but madame's word was law in the establishment this in mexico was a domestic situation which never could be found outside of the isthmus madame sat usually in a large chair at the barroom door from which she could see whatever transpired in tehuantepec like the other tehuana ladies she carried her weight with impressive dignity she was grand and majestic beneath her the plain little wooden seat became a royal throne from it she issued orders to husband and servants with regal authority and even to the passers-by on the street outside one day an epileptic threw a fit on the cobbled roadway madame sat there in calm unconcern she was not lacking in pity she was merely waiting for a pedestrian to pass in order that she might give directions for the relief of the unfortunate fit-thrower when one did pass she called out pick up that fellow and lay him in the sand where it would be more comfortable 
the pedestrian a slouching little male person jumped with alacrity to obey the command the epileptic had just been placed on softer ground and was throwing his fit in comfort when the daily circus parade came around the corner its display consisted of a wheezy band a horse a monkey and one performer step over that fellow called madame and the parade stepped carefully over the recumbent figure a very fine woman commented the spanish proprietor to me in a moment of confidence an asset and an adornment to any hostelry but there are times signor when she does not comport herself with the dignity befitting an innkeeper's wife she feels the call of her tawana blood the manifestation of that strange energy which one finds among these women then she slips away from the hotel she picks a few coconuts and sneaks down to the market to sell them caramba what idiocy but you cannot stop her it is the nature of these people seven the more i saw of the tijuana women the more i marvelled writers had overrated their beauty but not their character beside them the girls of spanish ancestry appeared doll-like the senoritas were pretty sweet shy modest creatures but devoid of personality these indian maidens had never been sheltered behind moorish walls from infancy they had faced the world and met their own problems they had developed character and their faces were clean-cut with individuality in every feature the senoritas accustomed to no exercise more violent than a leisurely stroll in the plaza were frequently stoop-shouldered and walked with a debutante slouch these indian maidens were as straight as the shortest distance between two points and their step was the lithe springy step of the athlete they were tremendous workers they would meet the morning train from selina cruz at daybreak they would haggle in the market throughout the day they would be back at the railway in the evening to meet the train from the other direction and thereafter until midnight they would sit outside the circus tent still selling their coconuts despite their devotion to business there was always an air of play about their work they laughed and chattered in their indian dialect they joshed one another they brandished their big machetes in mock anger and slapped one another with the flat of the blade each slap against a massive buttocks resulting in a loud bam that resounded even above the riotous hubbub of the market-place but let a stranger appear and all fooling ceased the welkin rang only with cries of buy my coconut senor among such self-sufficient creatures a man felt insignificant these women owned the town the shops and most of the houses were feminine property as were the big cocoa groves surrounding the city men were mere appendages in tehuatepec a somewhat desirable comfort in a tropical climate but not at all necessary the soldiers stationed here looked peculiarly contented and the older women all wore strings of twenty-dollar gold pieces as mementos of the day when the gold rush to california led across this isthmus yet to the casual observer these indian maidens were the least flirtatious to be seen in mexico if they could find a man a fairly permanent dependable man who could be counted on to remain at home and keep house well and good they did not bother to vamp the passing tourist they were too much interested in bartering their careers as wage-earners and heads of family had made the older women quite masculine 
if they had lost the grace of the younger maidens they had acquired dignity they strode along the street with a ponderous aggressiveness cigars cocked skyward as among tammany hall politicians arms swinging massively as though in readiness to floor for the count any mere male who did not step aside many of these older women were followed by troops of servants ready to carry home purchases from the market this was a common practice in upper-class circles elsewhere for no latin american aristocrat can ever bear to carry home his own purchases even if they consist of a single tube of toothpaste i was accustomed to the sight but it was odd to see an indian woman in the gaudy picturesque costume of jehuentepec marching before a retinue of retainers before i realized that these were the local heady greens i had the temerity to stop one on the street with a request that she pose for a photograph it was sunday and she had supplemented her already astonishing regalia with a wheepeel grande the old headdress of the isthmus an elaborate creation of white lace that rose from her head like a lion's mane and fell to her heels like a peacock's tail ten cents i said holding up the coin in an appeal which had proved successful in other regions ten cents if you'll stop for a picture she gave me one indignant look ten cents to one who owned thirty acres of coconut grove six houses and a gin mill she never paused for a moment she came on full speed ahead along the narrow sidewalk swinging her massive arms like the other mere males in tehuantepec i stepped hastily aside these tehuana women might not be so beautiful as writers had pictured them but they undoubtedly were the reigning queens of the tropics eight romance was not altogether lacking in tehuantepec even for the casual traveller as i was about to depart the little hotel proprietor stopped me you really should stay longer signor in time i believe you could win guadalupe my little servant young men are scarce here and she has taken quite a fancy to you these girls do not throw themselves away upon one who flits from flower to flower as does the tourist if you were to wait quien sabe signor she is small of course but eventually she will become a fine big woman like my own wife but i chose to flit and one couldn't take guadalupe along what would a tawana lady do if the traveller were to visit a country that grew no coconuts End of chapter ten